Hello everybody, welcome to anchor.fm forward slash gabsmacked. It's a pleasure to see you or hear you or hear from you or you from here from me. And we are talking today about anxiety, intolerance of uncertainty, sensory activities and repetitive behaviors, Big Macs. This will be the first of a number of periscopes and possibly anchor.fm forward slash gabsmacked podcasts. And some of this may make it to YouTube at gabsmacked. YouTube Gas Mac, I'm going to be talking more about the Speaking Human series and finish that off because I'm going to start talking to you about book two. So I'll be pro- possibly leaving Sydney next week for a little while. Uh, so I want to talk to you about it as much as possible. So a relationship uh, between certain factors here, repetitive behaviors, uh, uncertainty, intolerance, anxiety, and sensory sensitivities. Uh, if they go up, what the point is that we're looking at is not whether they go up or down as we get older, those with autism, but whether they go up or down together. And so are they actually related, all related? And if they're all related, then there's a good chance that they are all affected by one particular cause that we would then have to look for. It would narrow down what you're looking for as a cause. It's like a domino effect. If they're all related, then you just have to go back to the inception, the big bang of whatever is causing this issue. So uh, autistic adults... There are some people that there aren't enough studies with autistic adults, and that's one of the reasons that they've got me as a contributor there. Being someone who, as an autistic adult, can also function highly and also has done heaps of research and therapy and has the savant stuff, so I can remember a lot of things that they need. And autistic adults uh, have been found, obviously, to have a higher intolerance of uncertainty and anxiety scores. So it's found that there is anxiety based upon intolerance of uncertainty. There seems to be a relationship. You don't know if one causes the other or not. That's what they're trying to look for, of course, as well. And intolerance of uncertainty, yes, there is a much higher degree of uncertainty and tolerance, Boss Briggs, Cassie, Jerry, good to see all of you, for people with autism. And I am suggesting some hypotheses uh, to the university as to why that might be the case. And of course, they know much of the stuff I'm talking about as well. Um, but I don't want to talk about anything specifically that I said to them. Obviously, that's all private until they publish their reports, Platinum Mimi. So obviously, I'm not going to infringe upon that or impinge upon that. But I will talk in, in general, uh, hello, my dear, where it has been found that with adults with autism, that repetitive sensory motor behaviors and hyposensitivity, um, as well as hypersensitivity, decrease significant with, significantly with age for autistic adults. So just to explain the difference in hyper and hypo sensitivity, they are both deviations from the mean of sensitivity for the general populace. And hype, if you think of hypothermia, that means that it's a deficiency. Hypo is different to hyper. It's the opposite. Hyper is extra and hypo is a deficiency. So hypothermia would be lack of heat, and that's why you can die of hypothermia in the cold. That's the best way to remember what hypo means. So hypersensitivity means that you are extra sensitive to to um, a sensory behavior, if it's hypersensitivity to, in my case, it's it's very it's a lot of the auditory stuff is a problem. So, but also visual actually does have a, have an impact as well. And hyposensitivity means that you have a decreased sensitivity. Thanks for sharing to negative, uh, sorry to uh, to the sensory input. But either way, it's either an increase or a decrease, so it's a deviation. So you can call it the tail end of the distribution on either side. So if you have a, most things that are normally distributed end up in a bell curve uh, and where you have the average around the middle and then as you get further away, there are less and less elements that populate further, further away from the mean in terms of deviations. Uh, 
Edge case, exactly. Exactly right, Jerry. Yep. So there are the edge cases on either side. And they're saying that there's a there's a travel towards the mean. So that means that on means, Foster Clark, AK, random girl, good to see you. On both sides of the issue, whether you're extra sensitive or have decreased sensitivity, both of them with age move towards in the middle. So you look more neurotypical, Trace in the AK. Now, this measurement I have I submit in general is to do with and I th and I think this is something that many studies of autism sort of recognize as well is not a decrease because people grow out of autism but because they learn skills uh, on how to deal with those issues that they face and I've told you about many of those for me I carry earplugs with me wherever I go and in public and I also deliberately situate myself in environments which have less noise in general. My room is definitely made in, in such a way with a specific structure uh, for that. And many people might find that they have those issues as well. And the, it also doesn't factor in the people with autism that end up committing suicide because they can't handle it. And so the only people that survive are the ones who've been able to find some way to mitigate uh, those uh, symptoms that they suffer from. And of course, that will uh, help increase anxiety. So it increases anxiety, I submit, you learn to cope, yes, because it takes a lot of mental energy to have to deal with those situations. And that mental energy, knowing that the mental energy has to be expended before you expend it is where the anxiety comes in. It's the fact that you have a memory of the fact that you had to do it before and you're going to have to do it again. But then you've also got past memories of when you were a child and growing up of having to have to do that and not knowing how to deal with it. So I have very clear memories of being a kid having to run away from the swimming pool at my grandma's house when everyone was playing and go into this. She had a bathroom that was a guest bathroom and it was situated in such a way that it would get almost no sunlight and it was very quiet. So I would go and sit in there and just, just sit there. Does reefer help autism? I wouldn't know, Fischler. And by sitting there in silence, it allows the brain to actually calm down. And I don't know why I was actually saying that. Um, I actually lost my memory as to why I was saying that. I think someone else said something. Learn to cope and plan experience. Yes, you learn to cope and experiences, etc. And those memories, loud crowd, ah, there you go. So I wouldn't be surprised. So the memories I have of those stresses continue with me as the adult person. Sensory deprivation chamber on a lesser scale. Exactly, exactly. Yes, hypersensory. Thank you. I'll just pause chats for a quick sec while I, while I answer this one or, or talk about this topic. Um, the memories of those actually compound today when you have situations where you know you're going to have to expend mental energy again because of hypersensitivity to noise. And so the past memories combined with knowing you have to do it again actually compound and create even more anxiety. So you get a double anxiety. It's like a double Big Mac. You get an anxiety on top of anxiety. So I would say that that's one of the reasons that the anxiety actually doesn't go away. But you learn to not vocalize it in the same way. You learn, like myself, to jump on Periscope and have build up a dictionary of words that I try to remember on a daily basis in order to articulate the nexi between these certain correlation or correlated behaviors. And I was definitely not able to do that uh, years ago. Um, I There is a letter actually that my original guests saw when I was 16 and I wrote this articulate letter. So I did have some writing skills back then, yes, because I read a lot. Now, the next one here is that intolerance of uncertainty. Intolerance of uncertainty is a pretty difficult one. 
uh, and and I hypothesize, and I've suggested this to many different universities and 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 uh, doctors and stuff over the years, is that the with autism and this part everyone knows who studied autism is that there's an inability to distinguish between or prioritize which information. Uh, is processed by the brain before the other information. So as I'm talking to you, my brain can hear the cicadas outside. There was a dog that barked two blocks down. My fan just uh, doesn't uh, stop, but I need it because of the heat. Um, I'm sensitive to the fact that it's on which parts of my skin are feeling that air. I can hear Honest Joe in the kitchen. And then I can hear the murmuring of uh, uh, you know, my uh, some other family members in another room that's sealed off. And the brain doesn't actually know intuitively which one is more important to focus on. So I have to mentally, and I just heard the curtain, my, I have to mentally remind myself to keep talking to you guys. And that mental reminder is a conscious reminder, and that expends a lot of energy. So it takes a lot of energy to keep doing that, and so it can exhaust you. And because of that, that can lead to the anxiety because you know you're going to have to face it every time you leave your personalized sensory deprivation chamber to use Fuster Cluck's pretty good analogy or awesome analogy. Right. And so now I just heard a car go past, but it wasn't here. It was two blocks down. So, so th those type of things, they all sound the same in my brain. And I think many people with autism have the same sort of issue. And they were asking me, what would you suggest on, on ways to help mitigate that for children with autism? And I said, what I think is important is that parents have a user-friendly guide in shopping malls, for example, where there are autism-friendly levels. So for me, one of the most traumatic experiences in shopping malls as a kid was the food court. And the food court was um, when my mum would drag me through the food court, not drag, but you know, when we'd have to go with our parents as a kid through there to go to the other shopping place, to the groceries, the veggies or whatever. Um, it would cause tremendous anxiety. And I, I would have fears of going through that, that um, section. And obviously my parents wouldn't have known they would they would never have known most people today don't even know right so that's one of the reasons i talk about this so that future children have the benefit of their parents knowing this so that when they go through supermarkets they go through secluded areas so i used to travel from one side to the other if i could especially as i became a teenager and i could go without my parents to the shopping mall etc to buy i would buy computer parts or whatever to get to the other side i would no joke go either two floors up to go around and then back, or I would walk all the way around to stay away from people. And I couldn't understand how other people didn't know that. I thought it was so obvious. So that's one of the things I think autism-friendly guides in shopping malls, etc. Let me see your comments. Uh, clothing sensitivities. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, common as with autism, they do. That's true, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that I can share that with you guys. Now, um, the intolerance of uncertainty, how to stay peripherals. Do you know what I mean? How to stay peripherals? Not really. I think how to say, you've learned how to say peripherals. Um, is that what you mean? In, I'll stay in the peripherals. Yes. Yeah. I know what you mean. That's a good way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So the intolerance of uncertainty doesn't go away. What I've learned to do, I'm very unusual in the sense, in the sense that I actually face the uncertainty. I deliberately screw up my day sometimes so that I am immersed within the uncertainty and learn to accept being in an uncertain situation and breathe deep and learn to know that it's okay, it still takes a lot of effort. So a week from now, my whole life is about to change. And I'll be talking to you more about that soon, very soon. Um, and, you know, there's a huge amount of uncertainty around that. And it, that would stress even a regular person. But someone with autism, yes, is going to have even more uh, stress in those type of situations. When one becomes an adult, 
they just learn how to deal with it better if they have survived and a lot of therapy to with Chewbacca. And so they appear to have been quote unquote cured of the autism, which is not true. It's the underlying issues are still there and they still have, they, what I've come to learn, I shouldn't talk about everyone, what I've come to learn is that by mitigating the phenotypic traits of autism that deviate to regular phenotypic, 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 phenotypic traits of the population mean, say the neuro, neurotypical mean, by mitigating those, I actually am more listened to. I function better in real life. I've learned to do that. So when I say real life in public, if I go to buy something from the shop, I learned that I have to wait my turn. I wait for someone to say, can I help you? Which is actually doesn't work in Lebanon because in Lebanon, they don't say, can I help you? They expect you to ask them, can you help me? It's so funny. It's the reverse. So I remember once I stood at a bank in Lebanon in the queue and I was waiting for about seven minutes. I kept waiting and the guy just kept looking down and working and working. And after seven minutes, I think the person behind me said, you have to ask him. So uh, that was quite strange. Same with restaurants over there too. With the waiter, you have to go, uh, uh, excusez-moi, garçon, garçon, you know, over there. Um, yeah, crazy stuff. So the, the inability to distinguish between what data is important, that's a hard one. Even as an adult, I am very lucky that I have people around me especially my doctor that I see every Wednesday to figure out what's important in my priorities and not just what is important, but why, why is it? Because that's how you help someone with autism function without the intuitions of context. You say, why? Um, now I'll give you another example. Do you agree with interpretations? Do you have any other suggestions? Now that doesn't have context around it. And when I say it doesn't have context, it doesn't have context that someone with autism can understand. So context matters. And context is something that neurotypicals assume that they get and that other people get. And for more than 50% of the time, they're probably right. When they misunderstand, that's where they have these fights, I think. In my case, I my brain does not see context unless it's been taught. And, and I have to use logical explanation. So one example is, as I told you guys before, um, uh, there was that kid that was touching females knees and rubbing them because he thought that's how you get a girlfriend because he saw other guys doing that but the context around the other guys doing that was that the other guys were in a relationship with those girls excuse me which is why they all already had permission from the female in that particular observation by that kid um uh, for that for the guy to touch them on the knee uh yeah i have clothing sensitivity absolutely so absolutely clothing sensitivities um that's funny you say that because I just assume that they were the sensitivities I get when people touch me. I'm, I, I don't really like um, being touched at all. I've tried a huge amount of therapy actually, but it, it just doesn't change for some reason. Um, now, if someone says to you, do you have any suggestions? Now, someone with autism is very hard to answer that because you don't know what that means. Do I have any, does that mean I'm supposed to tell you um, or do I just tell you the number of suggestions I do have? So like, and, and people would find this funny because someone might say to me, and this happened as, when I was growing up, someone might say to me, do you have any thoughts? And I'll say, yes, I do. And then that's the end of the end of the, uh, the conversation because there's an implied, well, if you do have thoughts, can you tell me those thoughts? But that wasn't said. So the people, person with autism doesn't realize they have to do that. Right? And it's sort of funny, but, it, but that's actually what happens. What was worse about the food court versus other areas? Added smells, sounds, a population density was quite huge and it was erratic because people moving backwards and forwards and eating and it was gross. Like you hear people chewing and it was just the whole thing. It was just 
Hey, hello. How often do you feel attacked unfairly? Um, how many? How often it would be? At least daily, at least daily. And I mean, I'm living in a situation. Am I a savant artist? Yes, my dear Noor. Good to see you again. Uh, so, uh, yeah, probably every day. And it's most of the time it's unintentional and it happens with the people that you love. They, they will completely do something which they will do something which is overtly offensive and uh, from the mind of the autist, but it's not in any other circumstance. So much of my therapy also revolves around that explaining situations and having the context around them explained by my therapist. And I'm lucky because of the savantism that I can remember the context in all of those situations. Because with autism, you cannot extrapolate a context over a set of contexts. I cannot say, for example, that because I know I'm not allowed to touch a girl on the knee, that I can't touch her on the shoulder. On the, on the shoulder, sorry, I touched my elbow. But the elbow, if you, when you say you can't touch a girl on the knee unless she's your girlfriend, for example, um, they'll say, okay, but that means I can touch her on the shoulder. So you have to be very specific. In fact, you've got to say, no, it's not just the knee. It's any part of their body. And in fact, it's not just their body, but a circumference around them with a radius of at least one foot. So that in my mind, that's what I do. If we're in a crowded space, it's about half a foot. If it's in a public space, it's three feet or, or even up to three meters. I wrote about this years ago, actually, in my I was creating a dictionary for um neurotypicals to understand people with autism and I was listing all of the, the stuff that I've learned in every situation and then actually have a have a neurotypical understanding and the autistic understanding and you can flip between the two but it was such a big job and I've got this huge legal case that I had to stop doing it but I will I do want to get back into it I built a website for it but it got hacked um, it was called um, autisticality or autistically speaking one of those and it was a wikipedia page it was a whole wiki wiki website that I made um, so lots of stuff actually that I've done when I think about it Context not focused or skewed. Hey, are you an ASR guy? I don't know what ASR means. Do you mean ASD? I would say yes. Uh, picking up on euphemism may be challenging for us. Yes, correct. Conversation transition, exactly. Exactly correct. And so that's why one-on-one -on -one conversations are very easy for me. Hearing is more intense. Uh, let me answer that in a second. Um, the more than one-on-one, -on -one, then I have no idea what's going on. And it's very hard to track who's talking about what because they are changing context constantly. They're, they're, they're context hopping. And so I was like, but you're just talking about the book. Why are you talking about the TV? I don't understand. And then they'll think you're dumb or you're, uh, but, you know, and they'll go, oh, but you should know better. You're so smart. And it's like, well, no, that's the point. It's mind blindness. And so it's an invisible condition, especially with uh, high-functioning autism. And you come out, it's dark. Yeah. How do you deal with the misperception? I'm going to answer all your questions, actually. ASD, Osaka. I don't know, ASR. Osaka, good to see you. How do you deal with the misperception? Very badly up until recently. So huge anxiety, stay away from people, getting extremely mad, furious, blaming the world, hating the world, becoming resentful, all of those things you go through growing up. Now I accept that the misunderstandings happen and I've come to learn, and this is why Gabsmack, this channel, is so focused on perception. And in fact, regular people, non-neurodivergent or neurotypical people actually have the same problem, but because it's more subtle, they just have arguments instead of, like in my case, because I had so many misunderstandings of me, then I have now learned consciously to say, ah, there's a misunderstanding. Where did it happen? How did it happen? It's possible to have two different versions of the same events which is, as you guys know, that's what I talk about all the time when it comes to news and politics, etc. And a lot of people hear that and go, oh yeah, I didn't see that. And I'm like, the reason you didn't see it is because you didn't have to. 
sort of like someone who's, I guess, someone who's an alcoholic, they have a tendency um, to gravitate towards alcohol. And so to get over that, they actually become much more aware of the dangers of alcohol than someone who just has one drink a month or something like that. Because the person having one drink a month doesn't, it's not a priority on their list to study all of the negative effects of alcohol because they're not, it's not affecting their lives in such a dramatic way that they need to do so. Same thing with someone like myself, because I don't naturally understand perception, then I had to over understand perception. And now I can help everyone else, I find, on the GasMac channel. Uh, is my hearing more intense? It's not that I, so I've done he hearing tests. My, my hearing abilities are, um, have come out like excellent, I guess, or whatever you would expect. And yet I can hear more than most people. And that leads me to believe, and this is discussions with doctors and stuff as well, that it's not the hearing that's super. It's the brain's inability to distinguish between sounds. And so I hear everything. So when you go into a restaurant and you're having a conversation with someone, your brain doesn't hear what everyone else is saying, but but if you hear your name, you know this, right? If you hear your name or if a mother hears a baby crying, right? You immediately, your ears prick up immediately, right? And how many mothers have had children and you know this? No one else can hear the baby, but you hear it immediately. And so your brain is automatically filtering out all of this information that it is deeming to be unnecessary. And because my brain doesn't do that, my brain hears everything and doesn't filter it out. So I can hear all these different languages, all these different people. So I end up remembering because of the savantism combined with that. I can remember all the different languages. I know what languages were being speak, spoken, if they were Indo-European or not. What were the words being used, which was similar to other words in other Indo-European languages, or whether it was a Semitic language and which pronunciation they're using. Do they, when they pronounce an L, are they putting the L all the way to their palate or if it's only a millimeter off their palate and the millimeter off the palate is something that Germanic languages do. So you might get that more in French because it is, even though it's Indo-European, it has 15% Germanic influence roughly. And the underlying accent of it is a combination of uh, the Frankish Germanic and the, um, the Breton, uh, what do you call them? Um, Celtics. And so they had the R sound and that came in. And then, so you can start to distinguish all of these things. So it's, it looks like a superpower, but it's not. It's, it's in fact, it's the opposite. It's, it's a disability or an impairment that gives you a super apparent super ability, if that makes any sense. Okay, so let's get to uh, picking up on euphemism. Yeah, absolutely. It happens all the time, all the time. You had to fight against anxiety. It is awful. Yeah. The original Rain Man, I scoped about him a week ago. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. The original Rain Man never didn't have autism. He had something, he had something that, I don't know, remember what it was called, but his abilities were vastly superior uh, to mine. Yeah, in, in the savant style. Yeah, 100%. Um, do I have a heightened sense of smell? It's everything. So it's, uh, it's, it's, not a, it's not a heightened sense. In other words, the brain doesn't block out stuff in the way it does for neurotypicals. So you might not notice certain things happening right now, wherever you are that if I was there, my brain would be conscious of them. That's the difference. My brain is more conscious of data that flow in uh, as opposed to the neurotypical brain. And it actually exhausts the brain, but it gives you extra ability so you can learn Italian and French at the same time and stuff like that. But it doesn't mean that... So it's heightened in your brain's consciousness of it, not as in the instrument used. So my ability to smell is probably nowhere near as good as most females because females have a heightened sense of smell compared to men. But I would be more aware, I guess, of what smells they were, and I could pinpoint where I first smelt them 
or a very strong memory around them. And I'd be very specific about dates and times of where the memory occurred, etc. The legal case must be an example of being massively attacked, not just a loved one. Yes, exactly. The legal case brought all of that out of being misunderstood in such a perfect way, perfectly misunderstood to have the exact opposite scenario appear and, and to reconcile over the last six years, I, I've had to reconcile the opposite scenario and my scenario and realize that it's actually somewhere in the middle. In fact, it's still possible to do the wrong thing if you have autism, even if you had the best intentions in the world. It's actually possible. And that was a big struggle for me to understand. So when I was at school, um, I was bullied you know, an insane amount. But I've come to realize in hindsight that a lot of people who bullied me were bullying me because what they found from my behavior was abhorrence or a degree of abhorrence. And I've had to accept that that makes sense because at school I was walking like this all the time and I, I, I hadn't yet learned to straighten myself out. And I'd be going blah, blah to people all the time because I thought that's how you get attention. That's how you speak. And it was helping my Tourette's. And so it makes sense that the teachers and students would think that I was just a troublemaker. I'm not saying that it makes it acceptable, that there's a difference, but I, ha I have to accept that it wasn't just that I was just regular or looked regular and I was sweet and hi, how are you? And then someone punched me in the face. No, it wasn't, it wasn't that simple. It doesn't mean that I was wrong. There's a, there's a difference there. It's just what we call context. <laughs> okay. Vernacular neurotypical. Awesome. Uh, what happened to the model universe you made? Oh, yes, uh, for my PhD. Uh, it was for my thesis, uh, for my postgraduate thesis. It wasn't a PhD. It was just an honors because they invited me to do research, which was amazing. Um, normally, they don't do that. So that was really cool. Uh, I submitted all of that. I'm waiting on the mark. They said it would be here next week, but that was four weeks ago. So I'm still waiting on the mark to get back. And as soon as I get the marks back, I'll either get offered a scholarship to do a PhD or not. We'll see how we go. But thanks for asking, Brock. Yeah. Clutter of sound. So the takeaway is how the brain processes the info. Nord on the money must be overwhelming. So you speak many languages. Yes, I do speak many languages. Um, even even three days ago, I was at a Persian restaurant. Restaurant, and um, as I as I left, I said "Mamnu and khub." You know, and she's like, "You speak Persian?" And I said, "No, just a few words." And then I was telling my mum, and my mum laughed. She goes, "Oh, yeah, just a few words in." Persian, right? Like, let's add that to the extra 40 languages that I seem to have remembered. Uh, ranking waiting thoughts. You nailed it. Yeah. What does the tattoo say? This is in Arabic. It says Jibra'il. But in Arabic, there are there are two types of Arabic. There's Christian Arabic and Islamic Arabic. And this is written in Christian Arabic, Jibra'il, which is a translation from Aramaic, Gabro Eloho, which means man of God. Um, but it's my grandfather's name. And then this one here is Yohannon. Uh, where am I? Oh, sorry. Yohannon. Uh, Yohannon is Aramaic, not Arabic. So they're two different languages. That one, Yohannon, is the original name for John, um, where you get Johan and then Johan and then John. Uh, and uh, it's the name of honor of my uncle, Johnny Blue Eyes, who passed away tragically a few weeks ago. Sense of smell. Ah, Peripala, same question. Idiot savant. Um, is that what your teal tattoo read? Yeah, Jibra. Yeah. Whoops. Sorry. I was just uploading something to YouTube. I just got to check if that's going. Oh, that's still going. Okay, so yeah, on there, that's J B R I, and then that's a uh sound, uh, and then Y, and then L. 
in a loud, close environment like a pub are difficult. Yes, absolutely. That's why I use um, earplugs when I'm in public. Absinthina, long time. I have this, but in an emotional context, and I half hate it. Do I dream? I dream a lot. My dreams are very, very specific. Synesthesic, not really, I don't think. That's more Daniel Tammet's sphere. If anyone wants to read, read Born on a Blue Day. Born on a Blue Day, a guy called Daniel Tammet. He has less of my abilities to integrate into society, but more of the savant abilities. So his mathematics abilities in terms of calculations are way advanced on mine, uh, to mine, um, but I can drive and he can't. So, so it's almost like I've lost, I've lost a bit of savantism to somehow um, have my personality coalesce into the greater society where his is still more deviated, but he's still got extra savant abilities. Um, you try right brain balancing with creative arts. Uh, I'm a I'm a classical pianist, so that that helps. Yeah, does being massively attacked lead to physical problems like too much adrenaline? Yes. So over anxiety, and you're constantly running on too much adrenaline, and and that's why I exercise every day. So it has the consequence of me being much more fit than I would have been, but it's actually for to drop down the Tourette's and the anxiety attacks. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. And you you breathe in deep to constantly remind your body to bring down the adrenaline. Yeah, absolutely. The angel. I don't speak many languages. I can identify about 30. That's pretty awesome. The fact that you can identify them is pretty awesome. Yeah. Do you have any synesthesia? Uh, no synesthesia as far as I know. When I close my eyes, trade-off. That's the one, trade-off. When I close my eyes and play the piano, even from a kid, I can see the music in my head in the form of swells and colors, but it's not enough for me to say it's synesthesia, I don't think, because I know it's inside my head, whereas someone with synesthesia can physically see it outside as far as I know. And that's one of the differences between the thoughts in my head or, or, the, or the, the memories in my head and schizophrenia, where schizophrenia is different because it feels like there's a location for those thoughts and sounds, where for me, it doesn't. I know it's in my head, um, but it's still very clear. So when did you find out you are a savant? At age 32 and 11 months in January of 2014. Um, so do you find exercise helps with hypersensory-related anxiety? I, f I find that it helps with anxiety in general. And it's one of the best things ever for my anxiety. So I take a combination of medicine and exercise. But the medicine is it was good as a cast when your leg is broken. But in terms of rehabilitation, it's the exercise ongoing forever. Like I would hope to get off the medicine down the track. My pleasure. Thanks uh, for being here. My And this was also, for those of you still listening, on anchor.fm forward slash gabsmacked. Um, and I will tweet that to an autist, A-N-A-U-T-I-S-T, my Twitter feed. When it, when it goes live, and then you can hear this later as a podcast form. There, au revoir. I'm going to do another three or four scopes today. I'm going to talk about Israel and Palestine from the view of a Shia Muslim cleric. Calms your scattered thoughts. That's awesome. Nice scope. Thank you, True Faith. And then I also plan on doing another scope on uh, Alex Jones. Uh, there's two scopes coming up, and then I'm going to do YouTube. No worries, April. Good to see you. Um, I'm going to do a YouTube video on speaking human, continuing the story. So there you go. It's all everywhere. Bye, guys. Love you and leave you until five minutes from now. <laughs> all right, guys, at anchor.fm. It was a pleasure to see you. And until next time, don't forget to take life one smack at a time.